Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Your Booked. I'm your book inspector, Daisy Buchanan. My latest book, Limelight, is out now. If you'd like a personalised signed copy of that or of any of my books, you can order one from the Margate Bookshop. They deliver nationwide. If you're listening on Monday, July the 24th, I'll be at Mio Mai in Liverpool with former guests and podcast pals Lucy Vine and Lindsay Kelk tomorrow on the 25th of July. And I'm at Prima Donna Festival with Rebecca Humphreys on Friday the 28th of July. There are more tour dates coming in September. I'm at House of St Barnabas for Under the Covers with Ella Batoad on the 12th of September, Commedia in Bath with Sarah Pascoe on the 13th of September, and at Rossiter's Books in Great Malvern on the 14th of September. Now to today's guest. We've got a fabulous author to end the series with, Yomi Adagoki, co-author of Slay in Your Lane. We're celebrating her brilliant debut novel, The List, a story about social media, exposure, rumours and bad behaviour. Yomi and I talked about our shared obsession with Jackie Collins, the game that kicked off her writing career, the books that are so good they make us want to quit writing, and more. Enjoy. Yomi, I'd like to ask you about something you mentioned brilliantly. I'm so happy you did this. I wish more of our guests would do it. You sent over a list of books and things you wanted to talk about, and you mentioned that the thing that made you want to be a writer is a game, and a game I'd not heard of called Storybook Weaver, which sounds yeah. amazing. Can you tell me about Storybook Weaver? Oh, my God. Storybook Weaver was a game that I was playing when everyone else was playing, like, I don't know, like, Tomb Raider or whatever else people with PS2s did, or PS1s even, showing my age. Um, but yeah, I didn't have a PS1 or a PS2, but I did have um, a big, chunky Dell computer. Um, and my dad, alongside buying us, um, you know, Mavis Beacon typing <laughs> thing to sort of help us like learn to touch type, he also bought us this game called Storybook Weaver, which no one in the world has heard of <laughs> except me and my sisters. Um, and it was kind of like a 90s, um, God, yeah, it must have been like 90s because I was genuinely probably like seven or eight when I was playing that, maximum 10. Um, but it was a computer game, which, I mean, it sounds so lame, but you really just wrote books on it. <laughs> like it was like, it basically had this little page that had like a section for pictures and had a section for writing. And, um, the pictures you'd basically um I think it had like a freehand bit that you could draw your own pictures on I think if I remember correctly but basically it had all these like characters like you could have a little picture of a witch and you could have like a little picture of a queen and just really like archetypal um stock fairy tale characters that you could then and then it had like backdrops so you could have like a backdrop with pyramids or a backdrop set in like medieval England and you could just create 
stories using those pictures and then they had like a little bar for writing and you wrote your stories in there so um i'm always telling people that the last entire book that i wrote before the list was actually this series called baby world one through seven which which was the Rugrats, but like set in all these like surreal settings because of Storybook Weaver. And uh, yeah, that those I used to write those books on Storybook Weaver when I was genuinely about between the ages of maybe seven and ten. And then there was like a twenty something year gap, and then it was the list. So yeah. oh, I love that so much. So was it like a kind like an expanded Rugrats universe? Were you taking those characters or adding your own? I was plagiarizing. So so it was <laughs> it was it was Rugrats because I was you know a child in the 90s that was watching Rugrats like everyone else and hadn't really developed my own my own voice at that point so it was like I'll just take Tommy and call him Timmy and then take like Chucky and call him like Chuck like it was it was literally that but because because it just had there were some of the stock images were babies (laughs) and there was this group of like ethnically diverse (laughs) babies from different like um countries and stuff that I thought, oh, well, let's do a little story based around them and it'll just be Rugrats. So basically they literally had like a key and they'd like escape. But I think it was more expanded in terms of because the backdrops were very um, different and like you literally could have any backdrop you wanted. They would escape. I mean, I think, I think in Rugrats it was literally like them escaping into their parents' kitchen, whereas in Baby World, <laughs> very inventively titled, um, it was more them escaping to literally like Mount Kilimanjaro. <laughs> And like the Eiffel Tower, it was a lot more extreme, their adventures, but yeah. I want to read Baby World so, so badly. <laughs> There's seven of them somewhere. <laughs> I think, I don't, I'm sure you've got plans for like, you know, the book after the list, but you know, your readers and fans want Baby World to be one of bad. Now, we are both big fans of Jackie Collins. I love her. My, my, um, she rest in peace. Yeah, she was a legend. So what was your first Jackie Collins book and how did you find her? Was it like, uh, was there a book in the house? Did you find her at the library? What was it about? Because those covers are so sort of iconic. They are so I, iconic. I remember having such like a visceral reaction to it. Like, I feel like I shouldn't read this and I want to. Yes, exactly that. Um, so in my house, my dad is like a voracious reader. And like, he used to just have shelves and shelves and shelves and shelves of books. And like read a lot and there's always been somebody who like loved reading and like reading to us and telling us stories and my mum likes to read as well but she kind of was like less voracious than my dad but she did have this like one dedicated shelf which just had all these books that were kind of like embossed with like shiny foil lettering um and had like you know pearls and lipstick and like stiletto heels on them and I was like what on earth is this shelf that like my mum only my mum <laughs> reads and it was just Jackie Collins books like literally every single one that she's probably ever written in the world I think she had a couple of Daniel Stills in there as well. And I just remember thinking, like, kind of magpie, like, okay, you know, this is shiny. What What is this about? I, I don't know. Like, it's one of those weird ones where it's like, how do you know before even picking it up that it's kind of, like, verboten? You can just you can just tell. I don't know why. Like, I, just, I was definitely very young, maybe, like, 11 or something, maybe 12. And I remember, like, picking them up um, and being like, I know I'm definitely not allowed to read these but they look great. Um, And then, yeah, like, um, I think the first ever one I read was The World is Full of um, Married Women and The World is Full of... The second one was The World is Full of Divorced Men, I think it was called. And there was also this book called Lucky that I read. Um, I, like, read loads. But the thing with the Jackie Collins multiverse is they all do tend to, like, blur after a while, as excellent as they are. Like, And also, I was incredibly young, far too young to be reading it. So um, I actually can't, like, remember them very distinctly. But I just remember, like, 
probably reading that entire shelf when I was like definitely in the tail end of like primary school no probably the big the early 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 years of um secondary school so I remember reading it on the bus and kind of like as everyone did like hiding it in something else. <laughs> Lucky is such an incredible character and I'm the same because everything's woven together I'm not sure I could tell you I've read those books but like I don't know what the difference is which I feel really really bad about but I'm yeah, exactly in the same boat. I'm not sure how many people would agree with me but I think like when you're like a teenage girl or a preteen she's such a great role model when you think of kind you know it's that like at school you're doing like you know books about like sad Victorian women who yeah. are like stay at home or you know get punished and get pregnant and get thrown <laughs> in the tower or whatever and she's sort of doing everything on her own time definitely I, I really love the business bits as well in yeah it was like, pretty kind of, the oh, it's time exactly very 80s very kind of like you know shoulder pads and money and like yeah yuppie vibes um all about it was very much like girl boss before girl boss yeah <laughs> but yeah as you said I can't it's so diff- it's so difficult to think of them as distinct books because it all it all does really blur but it's like that quote where it's like I think it's my Angelou and it's like you might not remember what someone said but you remember how it makes you feel because I remember it being like a proper like you know coming of age thing reading all those books and reading lots of like my sister had these books it's interesting because obviously publishing is not hugely diverse, but my sister used to get these books from a shop called um, Books Etc. in Croydon, which I think is now defunct. And like they used to have all these um, books imported from America, which were really black and um, had black authors and black protagonists. And there was a book called, um, one was called Fly Girl, by I think a guy called Omar Tyree, and another book called um, Milk in My Coffee. I can't remember if it's the same author. But again, they were really kind of like saucy and they were black as well, like all black characters. So that was like a whole new thing. But it was, I was reading very much like after I'd finished stealing my mum's books, I kind of like graduated onto stealing my older sister's book and like books rather like very much left Tracy Beaker as much as I loved, I loved Jacqueline Wilson, like left that behind because like found this whole world of like, things I shouldn't be reading that sounds great though and the energy it gives you and the excitement when you know it's there yeah and exactly this idea I mean I believe that so much and I think now I kind of I do I miss that like now I I can read as much as I like and I can read what I want when I want and I miss reading being a bit forbidden and yeah bit delicious. definitely <laughs> so let's talk about uh Jacqueline Wilson because I'm sort of surprised, sometimes surprised she doesn't come up more on the podcast because, you know, we all love her and she is phenomenal, amazing. Yeah, she's excellent. Yeah, no, she's a complete icon. Me and my best friend, Elizabeth Yvebenene, who um, you obviously spoke to, interviewed. No, um, <laughs> she, we actually both were speaking about how much, anytime we're asked about, like, you know, formative books, we bring up Jacqueline Wilson and then we co-wrote a kid's book together, The Offline Diaries. And she actually gave us a quote. And for both of us, it was like a really kind of like, You know, we've had some quotes in from some really cool people, but yeah, Jacqueline Wilson was really something because she was so central to us as like young people growing up and as young girls who like to read a lot. And yeah, I think she's just such an icon. And as you said, I think she is certainly, you know, not raised as much, not even just on the podcast, just generally speaking. I don't think she necessarily, I think everyone knows she's like iconic and legendary, but yeah, I do think she deserves her flowers somewhat more because just in terms of representation of, normal people um working class people people with like difficult lives and like um not necessarily straightforward stories she was a complete pioneer I feel um in that space for it like you know for young kids to be exposed to things like you know poverty and like mental illness (laughs) you know obviously it's part of real life many people's real lives and I think she wrote about those things in a way that was not just like accessible but like for young people but like 
in many ways joyful, in many ways exciting. Like, I think I literally had every single Jacqueline Wilson book in existence <laughs> at one point. I'd never thought about this before, but I was just thinking about uh, Tracy Beaker and her, like, I did not think that Tracy Beaker, like her mum was imaginary. I was like, no, of course, yeah. your mum is definitely a Hollywood star and her mum's coming to get in. It's right. going to be fine. But in different ways, I think some of the stuff that's like, when I was reading that book, I was being really, really, really horribly bullied at school. And I think that taught me to escape reality right. in that way. And it's, it hasn't occurred to me at all before, but I think that's possibly why I'm a writer now, because that was what... Right. The book was so comforting and so yeah. fun, but it was also a lesson about how imagination is always what saves us. 100%. 100%. Like, the way that escapism was kind of, like, depicted, like, was just... I don't know, even at such a young age, it's it was just so brilliantly done, I feel. And I do think um, imagination was so at the core of the story of, like, Tracy Beaker. And I, and I think that's... What you just said is probably going to resonate with a lot of people because I do think that... Yeah, it was, you know, that's that was a story of, like, resilience and, like, creativity and all these different things, but simultaneously was, like, aimed at eight-year-old... I think it was, like, a middle-grade book or something. Yeah. Um, and so many of her books, like, you know, I mentioned in the list of The Tattooed Mum, which is about, like, mental illness. And, again, the way that was depicted, it's like I didn't necessarily, when I was first reading it, like, exactly understand what was going on, but, like on some, I think, like, subconscious level, it gave me an understanding. And it, it just, yeah, she, she's just, gosh, like, everything from, like, that to, like, Dustbin Baby. Like, she's she's written some really bleak books. I remember I saw yeah. a thread where someone was just, like, <laughs> writing all the themes of her books out. And uh, when you kind of see it spark like that, it's like, whoa. Like, yeah, she was writing some heavy-hitting stuff. But, um, yeah, so pioneering and, like, so important, I think. And it's really smart. I'd never thought of this before either, but I was just thinking about how... I don't know if you remember those, like, why... I think I'm a little bit older than you, so I don't know if this would have come up, but there was this massive trend for, like, YA books about nuclear war, and they all looked bleak as anything, <laughs> and they had names like, I was Brother in the Land, and Zed for Zachariah, and these books... Were, and quite often we'd sort of be, you know, given them to read in English classes, but there was nothing, like, appealing about them. Mm. But those Nick Sharrett illustrations a Jacqueline Wilson book was so bright and fun and gorgeous and it looked like something you'd want to read and there was nothing on the front that screamed like this is a book about divorce or yeah it's such a dustbin baby was literally the girl in the bin I think I think it was the grown girl kind of like with a scowl in the bin and I still thought oh it was giving me like Cartoon Network vibes I was like oh this is gonna be fun like yeah and it was fun somehow Tracy Beagle was fun like it was absolutely like if you like Rugrats you'll love this yeah exactly literally exactly I remember so many people said that like watching Tracy Beagle and reading it had made them be like oh I really want to be in like care (laughs) which is just (laughs) mental (laughs) but like that's kind of how (laughs) how I guess like vividly she she depicted Tracy Beagle world and even though maybe generally speaking she doesn't come up enough like in when we kind of think of like iconic British um children's books authors but certainly like interpersonally like everyone does like bring her up because yeah she just did so much for like so many young people I think. Did you see that documentary about Gigi Bloom? But I haven't no because I've never read um what's the book called? Um Are You There God, oh, you there, God It's Me Margaret. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I haven't read it. But I but I know it's like an absolutely iconic work. So I know the documentary we're talking about. So I was like, hmm, I should probably read the book <laughs> before I get into the documentary. I do, I'd love to know what it's what it's like to read it now, because I read it when I was young and I think I was just primed for it. But the thing I will never get over about that documentary is the 
the fans and the way she really took care of her fans and you know hundreds and thousands of young women and the role she played in their lives and that the intimacy of it like I was thinking about I suppose Jacqueline Wilson what you're saying about her not perhaps getting the recognition she deserves but she is in our hearts in a yeah. way that I don't think maybe Dickens isn't necessarily. Yes, all very true. You know that people who sort of think, well, this is a great work of literature, but you're very remote. And they don't Yeah. Yeah, the, when we're eight, we're never going to be given a book. And well, I don't really like this, but someone says it's very good and very important, so I should yes, like it. It's, it's just oh, this all is so true. 100% about that remote thing. 100%. I felt like I knew Jacqueline Wilson growing up. I really felt like she was like just this like auntie that like lived somewhere that I knew. And I think that's like similar probably with like Mallory Blackman. I remember like reading mm. Pig Heart Boy and just feeling like, you know, she is someone that I know. Noughts and Crosses, like her just, she was just, they're just so formative. And I think, as you said, that care that they have for the fans and they feel really like through their writing, through what they write about, they feel really warm and like having interviewed Mallory Blackman for Slaying Your Lane, like, can definitely attest to that. She was absolutely lovely. But, like, yeah, even before that, I kind of felt like she was just this extension of, like, the people I had in my world, like, my friends and family. Then there's, like, Mallory Blackman and Jacqueline Wilson <laughs> who are writing books for me. Like, that's kind of my understanding of it. Of course. Of course they are. Because we interviewed uh, Mallory on the podcast and oh her memoir, Just Saying, is one of my favourite books oh last year. Oh, my gosh. I need to read that and also I need to listen to that episode because I love her. <laughs> I will I will send you the link. But I think I was expecting because it was like a memoir and I thought, oh, is, is it going to be quite kind of, not grand, but you know, because I thought I have so much respect for her. Yeah. And her she's so prolific and it's going to be quite serious. And it really, it just, it, it sounds like her and I don't know why that surprised me but it's just a story that grabs you and yanks you through it. And I, you know, I knew that she'd not had an easy time at all growing up but like the depths of it and her own story and I was again it was like a bit like I suppose that Jacqueline Wilson feelings like she's writing about some really bleak dark yes, challenging exactly. things but it's really compulsive and yeah. the of her voice I just can't stop reading that's so true actually I had, <laughs> it's only just when you said that I thought wait a minute pig heart boy was about a heart tra- transplant like <laughs> just completely forgot and noughts and crosses was literally about racism yeah like I actually kind of forgot how bleak the themes were in like a lot of those books because again it was written so um propulsively and like thrillingly and interestingly and yeah no, sorry, just, that was just like a realisation. Because <laughs> what was it like when you and Elizabeth um, wrote your book for, you know, it's sort of, I suppose, a younger audience? Mm. Was it difficult to kind of reconcile wanting to kind of get in and, and be as direct as you possibly can? But also, I don't know, did, did you have to fight any kind of urge to kind of be a big sister and be like, I want to make the world safe for you. I want to guide you through this. That's such a good question. You know what? I think, I actually think no, primarily because I do think Jacqueline Wilson. So when it came to actually, like, the writing of it. I hadn't read a children's book in God knows how many years um, or even thought about a children's book in so many years. So I remember, like, immediately trying to, like... You know, it's like, like access your inner child and the, literally the first books that I thought of were Jacqueline Wilson books. And I, and I think she deals with such hard-hitting themes with such a light touch that even though we were focused on things like the internet and bullying and... I mean, it's certainly not as dark as the themes that she's touched on. But I think I did feel less of that impulse to be protective because that was the work that, like, had come to mind first, um, Jacqueline Wilson's. So I hadn't really thought of that. But what I would say I definitely struggled with was um, the fact that, like, 
I, I always say this, I don't know any children. <laughs> I know <laughs> two children. One is my, well, hardly a child, my recently born cousin, who I call nephew because he's so wee, like he's just turning one in, I think, this week or next week. Oh, happy birthday. Oh, I know, happy birthday, Toby. And my godson, Elijah, who is four, and was probably, I think, two or three when we were in the process of doing the offline diaries. So I couldn't really speak to him about what yeah. eight and 12-year-olds, eight to 12-year-olds are interested in. So I'm always saying, I don't know any kids. So any time I, like, came into contact with a child, whether it was, like, oh, I was at an event and someone's kid was there or, like, I remember I had builders in and they had, like, he had um, kids that sometimes he'd bring on the job and I'd literally have to be, like, hello, fellow children. <laughs> what, what do you guys do? Like, what are you interested in? What 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 do you think about outside of school? Do you think about in school? What are your friends like? Because I was like, I actually have not thought about this stuff in genuinely 20 years. So it was a real, like, I mean, I'm used to doing research as a journalist, but I would say it was a very research heavy project because Elizabeth has lots and lots of siblings. I only have two and my, I've got one older sister and one little sister who is two years younger than me. So I, yeah, I was having to like try and, you know, understand a child psyche, which even when you try to access like your own memories, it's it's still really difficult, especially because I think the, the anxieties and concerns of children today to, you know, issues that affect kids generally. But I think because our book was about the internet, mm. there is a certain specificity to the, to the issues that are facing children today. So it was, that was really hard because I was like, I'm having to, I, I don't know what bothers them. And thankfully I did like, bump into a few children of friends and stuff like that that I could then like interview <laughs> about what was going on in their lives and it was really just like yeah my favorite color's red <laughs> I don't like this person I'm sat next to in maths so I was like okay it's pretty pretty simple but at the same time like it feels like, like all that stuff feels like your whole world back then it's true and I think it's such a, a gift I think that all children want to feel listened to want to appreciate they're important because they don't get a lot of that and I dare say that's something that doesn't change too much but precisely are they as worried about the internet as we are do you think oh gosh you know what that's a really good question I feel like I think maybe not immediately so but certainly I think the age range that we were looking at which was like 8 to 12 I think certainly by the time they're hitting secondary school 11 12 it really feels like maybe maybe even more so just because so much of it is part of their formative experience and I guess so many of us remember life before the internet so you'd hope we have a bit more of an ability to disengage and take a step back and you know touch grass as people say I don't know what or I think through writing the book, I've learned a bit more of what it is like to kind of be born into that experience and navigate like a level of immediacy and intimacy with like everyone because you're on the internet. And I know there's obviously safeguards for kids, safeguarding for kids and stuff, but still there's just a level of like access that I think trying to process at such an early age must be incredibly, incredibly um, difficult. I'm 38 and I find that. very useful (laughs) Uh, I wanted to get back to your list because you mentioned a book that I really really love I think you said it's one of your favorite books you recommend or give the gift um, An American Marriage by Taylor Jones yes I'm obsessed I'm obsessed with that book and therefore by proxy obsessed with T.R.E. Jones Um, I remember finishing it and then um, immediately going on Twitter and Instagram to see if she had an account (laughs) which I thought my god like and then I realized she didn't have one and I thought this is why because she doesn't want (laughs) 
she doesn't want people like me to like get to the end of her book and be like hi I just wanted to say this is phenomenal <laughs> because I really was so I remember I was on the plane back from Barbados um finishing it um not Barbados sorry the Bahamas finishing it and like was so, literally sobbing like to the point where the air hostess was like are you okay and I was like oh no it's this book I'm reading and that's only ever happened it's always on planes like I remember when I was watching Blood Diamond when I was like I can't remember how old but like a teenager and just like so like sobbing on a plane and someone being like are you okay and me being like yes I'm fine must not ever cry on a plane again because it's really embarrassing and the whole row starts to be concerned and but yeah I just found it incredibly like moving beautifully written it's rare I read something and I'm like I wish I wrote that like it's like quite rare but it was just so ex expertly written so moving funny in places and yeah I think she really managed obviously she did the whole dual perspective thing which I guess in many ways is something that like it's her work that kind of helped me in terms of building that dual perspective of you know seeing the different perspectives of a relationship and yeah I just think it's such an excellent read um, it's one of those reads where I, I know that art is subjective and, you know, I think probably nowhere more so than within books. But I do use it as a bit of a litmus test. Like if someone doesn't like an American marriage, I'm very much concerned about their taste. <laughs> most things I let slide, but I'm like, it's just too stellar a book. Love it. Firstly, I am convinced and I'm not sure of the science of this I do believe something happens to us at altitude and on planes we laugh harder and cry harder there's some weird like emotional <laughs> we need a like, sort of an inhibition that. <laughs> that, that goes I really want to talk about because you said talked about the humor and I think about that a lot and I think it's extraordinary because it's such a dark heavy series, or rather it's not a dark heavy series book but the subject is and I think I was quite nervous of it because I'm like I know what it's about and I know yeah. it's prize and it's just going to be really serious and really intense and difficult and her lightness of touch and that it's something I think about a lot where it doesn't you don't have to have a joke in every line yeah although that is my preference <laughs> it needs to be a universe where you believe that the characters might tell a joke or laugh because that's what humans do and I think she does that so so, so well. beautifully it's probably like honestly I think it's probably the funniest and saddest book I've ever read in terms of it being like the only book that I've seen be sort of equal parts sad and funny and like it's not like it's a little bit sad and it's a little bit funny to say no it's hilarious and it's also devastating like it's I don't know how she's managed to find that balance but she really did and it's just also like it's so lyrically and beautifully mm. written yeah like I just it just is I honestly think it's probably up there as one of the best books I've ever read in my life and I think it's perfect and I don't think that about many things <laughs> I love that idea as well about it being a test you're like here's a book you will like it and if you don't like it that's it we're done yes exactly I remember like seeing this tweet that was saying the slightest man sorry the slightest thing a man can do is read your favorite book which is very true I've had like lots of guys I've met like read The Handmaid's Tale because that's one of my favorite books and I've always thought oh god that is a re it is a really like kind of like you know it, it, it does kind of speak to you on this like all romantic level like oh you want to read my favorite book and I feel like I kind of flip that and I'm like okay you read my favorite book that's great but if you don't then like my favorite book so if you don't like The Handmaid's Tale you don't like um An American Marriage by Terry Jones I am a little bit like it can kind of work in reverse because I, I remember someone did read um An American Marriage like a friend of mine and they were like oh it's all right and I was like oh my god I'd almost rather you hated it rather than be like it's okay kind of like looked at them a bit sideways after that <laughs> not on a personal level just on a taste level like hmm. <laughs> 
taken aback. Who who is this? Because you know, whatever you say, even if you're like, oh no, I'm sorry, I didn't. It wasn't really for me because I only like books about robots. But the prose was exquisite. It was exactly that. That's how I feel about um, Luster as well. I think oh, Luster is phenomenal. And I've met a few people be like, oh, you know, like. Oh, I wasn't really into it. It wasn't for me. And I get, I absolutely get when people are like something's not for them. And I think it's totally fair. And I think you should engage with, you know, work and art as it is. So if it's, if you are someone who only reads like beach reads or only likes like sci-fi and then you're now presented with something completely different, totally fine if you don't feel it's for you. But in my mind, you should at least still be able to appreciate the skill of the thing. And like, as you yeah. said, the pros. And I feel like even if, you know, you are someone who wants a more plot, you know, heavy character-led like novel where you feel it's a little bit more propulsive. You can't question Raven Leilani's pen. Like she is an exquisite writer. Mm. Um, so when people are kind of like, "Meh," I'm like, "Yeah, how how did you come to that conclusion?" But then I, I say this also understanding, trying to be like, you know, um, balanced. Do like, oh, art subjective, but I'm like, mm, except when it's not. <laughs> except when it's except, except when it's, when it's Raven Leilani, Tara yeah. Jones. <laughs> One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss we'll be back with Yomi soon but now it's time for my steal of the week i've chosen stranger on a train by jenny disky a memoir about travel strangers strangeness and smoking jenny circles america and encounters all kinds of people and stories mostly in the smoking carriages of the amtrak trains she shares her past sparingly to frame her present the writing is generous, touching, funny, elegant and sad. It's a book about people in place. It's poignant and hopeful and it will really stay with you. Stranger on a Train by Jenny Disky is published by Virago and out now. Now back to Yomi. 
I still remember because I had a proof of luster and that like delicious physical sensation in my body it just it gripped me like from my spine up to my neck down to my ankles and also just having that moment of like I should probably quit writing because this is oh perfect, my god but yeah okay fine I'll quit I think I actually was in the process of I, I'm pretty sure I was writing maybe parts of the list when I was reading it same with I think I was reading American Marriage as well I was reading a lot of excellent books and literally having to like take breaks because I was like okay I can't this is this could like kind of like be something that makes me um take a permanent break <laughs> from writing because it's just too excellently written um too 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 excellent yeah I just thought it was so good I think I was also reading um Exciting Times by Nisha Dolan ah. uh, which I really really loved and I think they both had this thing of like you'd read you'd start a sentence and you wouldn't know where it would go and it'd be like funny in a really unhinged surreal way um I think both those books were really quite like unhinged but in the best way possible um and like surprising which I think was yeah a lot a lot of fun I wonder if what those two have in common um exciting times and luster is they've both got protagonists where all the way through I was like I don't even know how I feel yes and that really hooked me and kept coming back it's like yeah really quite like droll and like you know just I don't know weird and yeah like I can't say I liked either protagonist but I think they were brilliantly written and like witty and I wanted to spend more time with them it's kind of like I don't think I've ever done a podcast I'm hoping I would get to a point where I can do a podcast without bringing up Jesse Armstrong (laughs) I'm probably gonna get a cease and desist from him at some point because this is a books podcast but somehow he always comes up but I think because I love obviously peep shows like my favorite show in the world and so I love succession as well and I think they have really horrible fascinating hilarious characters that like you feel you know and you want to spend time with even though you despise it's very much rooting in spite of like problematic faves all throughout and I think luster and exciting times was very much that vibe where it was like these are characters that you're not necessarily gonna like but like you know the the, the flea bag like edit if you yeah will. yeah and again in a weird weird way jeremy could almost be a Jacqueline Wilson character like his capacity for self-deception is enormous he only survives because he's living in the dream world absolutely oh my god Jeremy and and Jacqueline Wilson I mean they'd have to like cut a lot of what he said what he said what he does but yeah it's it's very very true because he's like borderline like um yeah like having full-on imagine like what's the word he's practically in the throes of some sort of like psychosis at this <laughs> at points in peep show because he's just totally deluded um and genuinely I, me and my sister who are both like peep shows obsessives are always saying that like when it ended after 10 years we genuinely were like what we can do these are our friends <laughs> yeah like we really felt like we knew jeremy and like sometimes things will happen where it'll be like when like brexit happened like really big world events mm-hmm. and like when trump got in power and we'd literally like you can like hear yourself thinking like I can hear what Mark Corrigan would say to this and I can hear what Jeremy would say to this which is why you can then place Jeremy in the Jacqueline Wilson universe because you it's like you know these people inside out and you can see how they operate in spaces that they're not in but it's because they're so real to you it's crazy what's that thing sorry this is way off the subject of the podcast when you know when they got it's called like not jml jlb the where mark works and they all get locked out and it's gone bankrupt oh my god 
takes control and he keeps saying it's not like time will tell yeah. some like what like completely meaningless oh my God, sort of pretentious like, a phrase would be a fine thing yes <laughs> Oh my god, no, yeah, that was that also it was filmed in Croydon, like quite literally up my road where I used to live where I grew up. Um so it felt even more viscerally real to me. And I remember seeing Patterson Joseph who played Alan Johnson and just cornering him at an event and being like, You are so important. <laughs> I was like, you played this like really specific, like black corporate guy that like basically you but be- you're the you played the person that like so many people I went to uni with like graduated and became, and I've never seen it like portrayed on TV with such specificity and so accurately. And I just look like, I don't know, there was just something about how that was done where I felt like people like really like obviously see it in succession, but I think Peep Show is even more perfect where they feel so viscerally real Um, Mm. because yeah. And I think it doesn't mean that you like them, but it means that you relate to them so heavily and deeply. And I used to watch Peep Show and think I'm a 13 year old girl. And why do I feel like I have so much in common with this like mid, 20s or 30s white man who's like working in like a a corporate office um but i think when it comes to like luster exciting times even though like the happy couple by nisha dolan as well like again it's these characters that you don't necessarily and also such a fun age i'd say which is another book i love really glad you mentioned that That was just blindingly great yes and i and i didn't feel like i mean i alex for instance um amira's um boss i wouldn't say like i liked alice of course now i think about it this is also the case with um june in juniper in um yellow face yes again these characters that you don't like but they're they feel really real therefore you want to spend time with them even though it can almost be like a disorienting kind of uncomfortable experience i felt like with not so much with yellow face because i actually really like couldn't wait for like Juniper to get or June to get her comeuppance but certainly in such a fun age I really did kind of find myself empathizing with Alex in places because she was so real that's so interesting because when I read such a fun age I remember I felt very ashamed because I saw how I was like Alex and I was like (laughs) I am a terrible, terrible white woman committing all these microaggressions. And it was what I love as well is that Kylie Reid sort of a bit like Peep Show. She takes no prisoners. Yes. Um, and Amira's so great, but everyone and even her awful sort of like savior boyfriend. And yeah. there's almost there's no judgment, but from her. So there's loads of judgment, and she just kind of stands back and goes, <laughs> "Are they terrible?" She literally just presents, and I feel like that was something that very much has like certainly influenced my writing of the list in terms of like because you're writing a dual perspective and I feel like yeah. it's interesting how see for instance you didn't really like you quite liked Amira right but I've read a lot of like feedback from people who are like oh they found Amira kind of annoying because she wasn't really like present and she didn't really she was just kind of a passive character and and I interviewed Kylie Reid around the publication of her book and I remember she was saying that like she will find a lot of white women really really do not like Alex but a lot of black women and minority women will actually empathize with her more and I think it's because we're coming at them from like different perspectives so I guess you kind of humanize and empathize sometimes with the opposite um which I think is interesting same way that a lot of people that have read the list have been like a lot of men have really hated Michael and really empathized with Ola and a lot of women have really empathized with Michael and really not liked Ola so I think to me, that's like a sign of like just really trying to, as you said, no judgment, just presents characters. Mm-hmm. And I think, yeah, um, Kylie Reed's Such a Fun Age is definitely one of maybe like a handful of books that I've read and been like, I actually wish I wrote this because it's just so brilliant. And um, 
I think, yeah, like, I don't think that... I would certainly look at someone like June in Yellowface as a villain. Mm. Alex, I, I just see her as, like, she's almost like a tragic character. She's almost like, you know... Shakespearean because you just feel like oh god like she's just hopeless and you're just watching this like definitely coming fall of hers she's almost like Alex kind of a Curtis Sittenfeld character oh that, in. <laughs> that just like another, another took a wrong, wrong turning and then no no but also on that theme I have this fantasy that Kylie Reid will write um, Amira's origin story because there's a bit at the beginning I think about all the time where Amira talks about how in her family like everyone is good at something and everyone has a hobby and everyone yes. swaps in and she's just lost and coasting. I'm like, I want to know like what it was like to grow up with that and what Amira's siblings are like. Yeah, I actually remember that bit because I remember her, her siblings don't come up much, but I do remember she, she was, uh, you know, the trait of hers that I think irritates some people that she kind of felt like she was in constant free fall and like wasn't really doing anything, wasn't really good at anything. I would read any kind of story surrounding any of those characters and some of them had only been mentioned within like mm-hmm. a few paragraphs i think she's got another book coming out like called come and get it and oh. i'm like desperately like constantly checking up like her proof's gone out yet her proof's gone out yet because I, I need i need to get in on that okay if anyone is listening who might be in a position to please also send me the proof please, yes. you're desperate for the proof <laughs> send it away you mentioned a book that I have not read yet but people keep talking to me about it and it's on top of my pile and I'm desperate to read it is this okay by Harriet she Gibson or a Gibson Gibbs oh oh I don't know I say Gibson but you know what I say that because I read it like most words I don't say out loud this is what you realize doing podcasts <laughs> having to pronounce things you're like, oh hang on a minute I've never said this word so I think it's I've only ever said Harriet out loud I think it's it, I say Gibson so sorry Harriet if, if it's Gibson but oh my god I basically, after I read it, I remember, like, sort of closing it and immediately going on social media and, like, just, like, begging her to write fiction because I was just, like, I've never in my life... And I I kind of grew up on the, like, memoirs of, like, Katie Price and, um... What's her name? Jodie Jodie Marsh and stuff. So, like, I've read, like, pretty, you know, interesting, salacious um, celebrity memoirs and stuff. And I've, like, read, you know, kind of more serious memoirs by, like, Barack Obama and, like, um, Michelle Obama and Nelson Mandela but I have never ever enjoyed a memoir more it again I think there's just something about in the same way when I read Luster I was like this is so unhinged and so like like hilarious there's that kind of thing where you're laughing like in that way you do it tweets where you kind of like expel air from the nostrils but like (laughs) (laughs) you know what I mean but is this okay it had me like crying like I struggled to basically I will start a book and it doesn't matter how good it is it's very difficult for me to read it in that one sitting like often I can read a book over several years because I'll like get to 100 pages and then be distracted by other books on a pile then I'll come back to it three years later and finish it um but I think I literally read that in like two days it was so like like I think the sacrifice that went into that book the anecdotes the rawness of those stories like not just emotionally but like just the amount of cringe the amount of like embarrassing things that happen in that book the amount of stuff that she's like given to a reader for nothing other than our entertainment and titillation and just like for us to be moved and moved by it I just can't like commend her enough it's just I think it I think I read it this year if I did it's still my book of the year um but between that and uh, oh Sister by Jodie Chapman. Love, love, very much love that book also. But yeah, like, I just think she is such an effortless, excellent writer. And she's so, so funny. It made me really kind of rethink, I suppose, 
confessional writing or non-fiction writing because I've always been someone that holds back quite a lot I'm quite a private person and I've always felt like you know it doesn't really affect how good I can write something whereas with is this okay she really lays everything bare and the book is better for it like like I don't know how she feels (laughs) with everything out there but all I know is the book is certainly better for it like it is it's phenomenal and I couldn't stop gushing about it if you paid me like I won't stop because it's just excellent it really I cannot I I know I'm just going on but I can't recommend it enough because it really is so funny so excited about reading this book it's insane brilliant (laughs) it's the craziest thing I think I've ever read but it is so great I felt that way about Fern Brady's book Strong Female Character I don't know if you've read that yet I think you'd love it because I was I thought oh is it going to be quite dark and quite serious because I knew that you know she's not had an easy life and she writes about it but again it's so frank it's so generous it's so kind of visceral and yeah I really I felt like she'd taken my hand and pulled me into the book like the aha video and just yanked me through it (laughs) I think you'd love it that is exactly the description I give for is this okay in terms of I felt like I was literally put in a DeLorean and taken back to like the worst parts of like the noughties um and it's just yeah like it's and also even you just saying that like just just reminded me oh no wait there were really serious themes in this book there were really serious themes um really serious bits in the book um like quite a lot of it is but it is just written in this way that is so it's so frank it's so funny and I almost forgot but I remember being like it's also very like everything happens very breakneck so you are crying with laughter in one second and then you're literally crying (laughs) like of sadness in like the next chapter or the next paragraph um because it it shifts so much but it shifts so like effortlessly um yeah definitely my book of the year so far I love that it sounds amazing you also mentioned that JD Chapman book which I don't know anything about I'd love to hear about oh that oh my god just one of the most beautifully like I think I really appreciate writing on a technical level and as a skill so again one of those proofs I got um, I'm actually currently like I've been on a proof ban for like a while because I'm, I'm looking at my shelf right now and I'm like I bet I've literally got I've like doubled up in terms of I have books in front of the books um, on my shelf because there's no space and yeah it's just I've just got so many books right now that I've been on a proof ban but I think this was just before I stopped accepting um, and I was like oh I'll have you know it's like I'll have a little bite of this little snack I'll see what the first chapter saying and then it was like three days later and I'd finished it um, so it's about three women whose lives are hugely changed <laughs> by um, being disfellowshipped um, from a religion very heavily resembling Jehovah's Witnesses. It is so expertly written, but also it just kind of invited me into a world that like I've never really seen or even really thought about in terms of certainly, I've, in, I, you know, Jehovah, I've had Jehovah's Witnesses that went to my school. Um, I've met them on doorsteps like everyone else, but I'd never thought of the like disfellowshipping and how that would affect people and what that community is actually like from the inside and it was just such a beautiful book and again that that does have its moments of like humor and lightness but it is I would say it certainly has a level of darkness to it and depth to it um but that's not a negative thing because I think I I just read Harriet's book and then I went on to read Jodie Chapman's book and very very different vibes but both again what they do have in common is just that real technical 
God-given gift of like the word and just being like brilliant, brilliant writers. That sounds fascinating because yeah, that's the gap between what's the difference between a religion and a cult, I suppose, yes. and the freedom you have. And especially, I think, for women trying to find their way in a religion. Exactly. Like, that's what really kind of I found really fascinating. Um, aside from it being so lovely to read because it's just so, like, nicely done, just that insight into that world. And as you said, what is the line between a cult and a religion? And I think watching these women try to, like, navigate the, you know, inverted commas, like, real world especially as someone who was raised in like a christian household and grew up like you know going to church but not being in not having an experience anywhere near like relatable to it it's just so interesting to see how the same texts and the same bible can be used and let's be honest certainly in the case of like this book and what these women experiencing in that comparable religion weaponized to Mm. really oppress people but of course, as usual, more specifically women. That sounds great. I'm definitely going to have to read that. I'm really heartbroken because I could just, I could talk to you about books for about a year. I'm having so much fun, but I'm sort of aware that, you know, you've got lots of things to do and very sadly I'm going to have to wrap this up. So I know you mentioned, you know, quite a few books on your list. Is there anything that you haven't mentioned that you'd really love to talk about or anything that you're excited about that's on the pile that you are going to, the first thing you might break your proof band for? Oh, definitely Kylie Reid's Come and Get It. I know that's some time away, but I'm really, really looking forward to that. I haven't got either of these books yet, but I'm really looking forward to reading Penance by Eliza Clark. I haven't read Boy Parts, but like... I'm haunted by the fact I haven't read Boy Parts because it's like it comes up in every single conversation I've ever had about books. And I'm really looking forward to reading Megan Nolan's Ordinary Human Failings um, because I, re- I remember reading Acts of Desperation. Again, one of those days where I was like, I'm just going to like read the first. I sent it and thought, oh, I'll read the first chapter and then like finished it within like a day. Um, excellent, like really, really great book. And I'm really looking forward to her second because I think... From what I'm hearing, it's very, very, very... It's a big departure from the Mm. first one, which I think is exciting. So, yeah, those are definitely on my radar. And I think that's so interesting. We've just um, interviewed Lisa Jewell, and I was such a fan of her, her rom-coms and her sort of her books before she started writing thrillers. And I think she is the most, you know, phenomenal, phenomenal dark thriller writer and it's sort of become this kind of queen of that world but yeah, yeah I think that's, any... how I, that's more how I know her as a thriller writer her first book is called Ralph's Party and it's a kind of I think it came out in like sort of late 90s or early 2000s and it's that very kind of it's sort of the, the Bridget Jones world but Bridget Jones the book but with a bit of an edge and it's lots and lots of like drugs and going out and it's very very funny but yeah any writer who does so many things well and differently I find that really inspiring oh my gosh like Rebecca Kwang um mm. F Kwang who wrote um Yellow Face and obviously wrote Babel before that I've not read Babel have you I haven't read Babel but I've heard that it's like a completely different vibe mm. to um Yellow Face and it's that's I'm fascinated by writers that can do that I I don't know if I can I guess I've only written the one book so I'm still yet to find out but like my second book um which I'm trying to start now is like it, I would I'd be lying if I said it was a huge departure like it, it certainly is plot wise but in terms of it being like satirical and being like humorous but not like it's very much it's still written with that voice and that vibe so I'm always fascinated when people are able to 
to really just pivot in that way. I'm desperate to ask about the next novel. Is it top secret? Can you tell me anything at all? I can tell you some things. I can tell you that, like the list, it was. I was going to write it as a um, report. Like I was going to write it as a long read, um, sort of non-fiction piece. And then because the deal for the list was a two book deal, I was like, what am I going to write about? And then I was like, oh wait, I had this idea that felt too controversial to do as non-fiction and too difficult to do as non-fiction. So maybe I could explore the idea in fiction. And it the themes are like very much like it, it focuses slightly more on race, um, but it's also about motherhood and identity. And I honestly think in terms of like theme, it's probably more, <laughs> more risky than the list is, I think. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's amazing. Thank you I so can't much. wait. I mean, that's kind of how my novel careering sort of started out. It's like all the things I'd been desperate to write about, you know, as sort of in journalism. And I wanted to explore that in a, it was kind of, in a way, more fun. And I could go to more extreme places and more places that interested me and things that couldn't be resolved by writing it as a novel. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's a, it's something that I'd never even thought was possible. I, I think before the list, I actually thought you can only write, there are some things that are non-fiction ideas and there's some things that are fiction ideas. The end. I didn't realise that there was scope to switch it around. So I'm glad I found out. <laughs> well, I was thinking when you talked about Harriet Gibson, about that, I think emotionally as well, we can take things to fiction with, I mean, we both know, we've, you know, written sort of plenty of like sort of features and pieces yeah. in these cases, magazines where there's always a pressure to like, there's a word count and you've really got to resolve it in the end paragraph. Be like, but I'm fine now and it's yeah. all going to be great. And actually you can be so much more, so much wilder and messier emotionally in fiction, which is why I love writing and reading it. That's exactly why I'm like, I cannot wait for Harriet Gibson's um, fiction book. Because I think, I hope she's writing one because I think just given how visceral and kind of messy and just insane and fun is this okay was i just think she'd really body a, a fiction book I, i'm still I can't remember, i'm still talking about that book like <laughs> i've posted Harry, that so many times if gonna... you're listening please <laughs> she please knows i've embarrassed her a billion times about it <laughs> it has been such a joy thank you so thank much thank you always a pleasure thank you huge thanks to yummy the list is out now published by fourth estate it's insightful, incisive, painfully funny, just plain painful in places, and brilliantly written. Your book is created by me, Daisy Buchanan, and Dale Shaw, and edited and produced by Dale Shaw for New Alaska. You can find a list of all the books Yummy mentioned at acast.com slash booked, and see a selection on our page at bookshop.org. We're so grateful to everyone who shares the podcast, shouts about it, and especially to everyone who has given us a five-star review. If you've not done it yet, it's the best way to help people find the podcast and it means we can keep bringing brilliant book chat to your ears. We'll be taking a break for the summer, but we'll be back soon with some truly legendary guests. Meanwhile, find us and follow us at YBooked on social media to see what we're reading and recommending. Finally, I'll leave you with this from Deborah Levy. We do not have to conform to the way our life has been written for us especially by those who are less imaginative than ourselves. See you soon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.